Hello, it's Billy Reeves from the K-Scope podcast here. I trust you're well. Been speaking to all five of Tesseract quite a lot this year as it's been such a busy and successful year for them. Um, How about we have a little chat about the side hustle advice uh, for young musicians starting out. Tesseract are particularly good at this. You'll hear in this section from Daniel Ackle, finally, Jay. But first, James. I think this is extra important in this business, but also I suppose you could apply this to anywhere in life, really. I think, um, you're, I guess as a musician, your, your main skill or, or talent that people know you for is playing your instrument or writing music or whatever. But uh, like with anything else, you need like, other life skills to execute it. You do need, you know, uh, I guess you need to decide which skills those are that you want to develop. Um, but not only for make in the music industry, obviously it's you know, making an, an additional living is quite important. Um, but also just so you can um, further your own musical career, like um, it's important to learn extra skills. Um, and I think, um, I suppose in, in music, I remember like, when I was growing up, lots of people had the, uh, I didn't, you know, you can't have a fallback option. You just got to go for it. And it's like, it's not really as black and white as that. Like, I think um, it's uh, it's good to basically have a side hustle so you can survive and make money because um, there isn't a huge amount of money to be made. Or sometimes there is, sometimes you can have a boom in music and then so then you won't have any work for two years. So it is important to yeah, diversify your income streams. But also, I guess, like when you're in a band, you want... I know for me anyway, you wanted to be able to get into the music industry to get to know people to promote your own music. And the only way I did that was through what I was doing in my side hustle, which all came together, which was, you know, music publicity, getting to know everybody, going out, going, getting to know journalists, saying, oh, look, check out my band. Yeah, and, which initially you realise later in, you know, in your career goes, you've made loads of mistakes, but that's, you know, and you did things that I wouldn't dream of doing now, but that's also the whole process of learning. Um, so, yeah, I think... Uh, diversifying what you do skills wise and income wise is an ap- absolutely essential i think you you do you do have to side hustle to begin with um you've got to find an avenue within music which is going to help you bring in some pocket money um i would say it helps to get into it sooner rather than later mm-hmm. especially before you have those big financial commitments as an adult um which i got completely wrong and i did it the opposite way mm-hmm. uh well that's helpful um I think you've obviously got to be very willing to go out there and promote your music. And I still feel like the word of mouth today is still very valuable. So I think being out there on the road and touring and making friends and being personable with being very open and creating and cultivating a following is still incredibly important because I think people fall into the illusion that it's all about TikTok and social media and getting recognised, and it really isn't. I mean, don't get me wrong, there are examples of artists that have... um, broken through and garnered a big following from social media but it is few and far between there are not many artists that manage to get successful and get very lucky with social media um most people don't care i find um unless unless you're willing to be a content creator and be at the grind trying to compete with what's the latest trend i would say for me that 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 is not where I like to sit. I want to be a creator and I've always wanted to just do Tesseract or just sing. And I also had the illusion that actually being in a rock and metal band meant that I would have financial stability when I first started. And of course, we all know that that's not a thing. Um, But I learned to sing, I learned my craft, and then I began to teach people my craft. 
uh, after you know garnering a very trusting and loyal fan base and I think that I always remember this I had um, um, an old manager of mine from a long time ago once told me that if you you can make it as an artist if you if you can garner a thousand loyal fans that will buy yeah. every CD that will buy every piece of merchandise that you put out so if you think about it that's not that difficult to achieve in the grand scheme of things yeah. a thousand people is it I mean you just got to put your focus into your music and your art and believe in it and want to do it that's the main thing because obviously I've got my studio side hustle and my mixing and mastering that I do for other bands um, and I've got like presets and mixing tutorials on my website um I'm kind of lucky that all my studio stuff, a lot of, at least in the early days, a lot of the work I got was through word of mouth from what I've done with Tesseract. So they kind of yeah, go hand yeah, in hand. Uh, but yeah, Jay's got his, you know, he's doing drum lessons online. Mm-hmm. I know Dan yeah. is, and he's doing his Twitch stuff. Um, well, we all did over COVID a little bit. Um, yeah. Obviously, Metal's got his PR thing. So it's important. And as long as you enjoy the music, that's the most important thing, you know, being able to do that when you can and just trying to ba- ba- trying to balance the two is the hard bit I think especially yeah. when you start going on tour just having a, a some kind of work or side hustle where you can be flexible yeah. uh, that's the hard bit I think I got a, basically a side hustle a, a means of income that um, meant that I could go away with Tess when we were at a point where right we've got to wait, go away for a month or more because when that happens in a band if you've got a job in an office or at a McDonald's or at something that requires you to be in a spot, you're going to struggle very, very hard. Yeah. Um, and all of us in Tesseract do something different. Um, like me, I can speak from, for myself now, I, from uh, drum lessons and a drum lesson website that I run, um, hence this drum kit that you can see behind me, um, I do everything from here. I've got a whole camera set up. I can kind of hit one or two buttons and everything's recording and all the audio synced and then it's really super easy for me to edit. Um, the other guys in the band all have their own things. Dan has obviously got a lot of projects that he's working on. Um, Ackle mixes and masters bands when he's not on the road. James runs a PR company. So, you know, we've all got these things. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. If, if you're in a band and you're trying to get to a point where you want to you want the band to reach escape velocity you've got to be able to support yourself one way or another and i mean for the longest time as well i've got I'm not shy in sharing this you know i was working as a consultant on the road and this is the most unsexy thing to be talking about in a music podcast but i was working for like a uk train company making graphics and a ferry company making graphics on the road um, because it was, you know, that was considerably more well-paid than anything else I could do at the time, just to make a bit of money. Now, War of Being was recorded in a much more traditional way. Tesseract, of course, very much progenitors of home recording in this uh, field of music. So I wanted to ask everybody what that was like, what the advantages and disadvantages of that was. Firstly, bass player and uh, creative director behind the concept of the LP, Amos. Yeah, it's a wonderful collaborative experience that I think is reflected quite succinctly in the diversity of its... Um, I know it's a bit of a contradiction there, but the, the diversity of sound highlights mm-hmm. exactly the um, element of collaboration that's involved, the element of chaos that's involved when you bring... 
yeah. more than one person's ideas together. Yeah. And yeah. also the element of hiding away in the countryside in the middle of nowhere for yeah. six weeks and yeah. coming out the other side with lots of things you knew you were going to do and then lots of things you wouldn't have done if you were if you weren't in that scenario. You're doing something for a purpose, you must always remember that. But Tesseract is never that good at working with people coming to us and saying, um, oh, you've got to do this by this time. <laughs> it's, it's not obstinance, it's not anything like that, it's not a negative thing, it's just I think there's a, a level of anxiety that exists within uh, maybe our whole generation. You know, that doesn't quite work well when people are being prodded. And our best yeah. work always comes from when we have turned off any temporal concerns and we're just yeah. focused on the whatever it is we're doing then without yeah. worrying about, yeah. oh, I'm going to, you know, I need to do this in a couple of hours. So a question for Ackle. How much of it was prepared before you went into the studio? Uh, Writing-wise? Yeah. Yeah. Um, probably a good... Yeah, an 80 90%, I'd say. Yeah. Okay. Fair, fair chunk of it. But a lot of it was... So, for example, the first first song, that was all done. Then there's a song called Echoes. Um, that was kind of like... It felt strong, but it, it needed some variation putting into it. So Peter Miles, the producer, and... Uh, Catherine, uh, who's the vocal producer, they really helped yeah. just sort of jazz up one of the verses. And uh, it's just like going a bit off the wall of what we normally do. But they suggested it, like they had a little jam with it, uh, sent the files over to me. I was like, oh, yeah, I like this. And it's just okay. a little bit Nine Inch Nails esque sort of element oh, right, to it. Okay. It's a bit of industrial ish, okay. only a little twinge of it. But it just keeps it interesting and fresh, um, I think, having a little extra. The majority of the writing process, from my point of view, like the demoing, but that was the same with me, just you know, writing at my place, getting ideas together. Um, but it was very different uh, with us just being together for six weeks um, and just experimenting. Um, and especially like we had like um, we were talking about this the other day. There's a song called uh, Legion. Um, it was just like a two minute song or an idea a seed of a song and i didn't know what to do with it like we all kind of wanted to use it but i didn't know how to finish a song or what to do with it where to go with it and everyone was keen to use it um i think i was busy recording guitars for another track and then moss and jade come in and said oh come have listen to this we've had a little jam with something that might work with this seed that i had had listeners like oh nice yes i like this this oh, is good and then it all started to gel and it's the exciting bit when it's fresh and new and it's just it yeah, just flows yeah. really quickly and just turned into a well what legion is now like really quickly and then dan yeah, did no. something really poignant on it as well so yeah it's like that and there's some other examples of that where it all just came together so with most of the bands i know from my youth together in the studio for six weeks creative tensions that have been right punch-ups how about tesseract daniel there were there were no fist fights. <laughs> we, we're too we're too reasonable for that. Um, I think there was a little bit of uh, demoing for a few years, uh, so we'd already got uh, or developed a handful of seeds, if you will, 
Um, but they really started to take form when we got into the studio together as a band and actually played the music mm. together, fleshed it out, wow. you know, really, really thought about it, um, which was very refreshing. Uh, we all managed to actually learn the songs mm. and get it under our skin before we recorded it. Right. And in the past, it's always been, okay, write like the clappers and then record it and hope for the best. But this time was different. So yeah, had a, we had the, lu the luxury of time. We definitely... Every, well, everyone had an input. We sat and listened to the songs every night. Uh, yeah. If someone had an interesting idea, we'd be like, hey, come over to Studio A, come and check this out. And we'd wow. immediately go check it out. Yeah, that works, that that doesn't, or whatever. Um, it was a very pleasant experience. It, it, it didn't come without its challenges. Um, it was the first time with us working uh, with more than just the members of Tesseract, we had different influences, different oh, opinions, yeah, course, yeah. Um, different different approaches to writing music. Um, but it all worked out the end, in the end, and there were some great contributions from uh, Pete Miles, who is the producer over at Middle Farm. I also worked with um, a, uh, a vocal engineer this time around, rather than doing it myself, which wow. was a real pleasure, and that's mm. Kat Marsh. Uh, her name is, and she is uh, the owner of Choir Noir, and she's an amazing artist that goes under the name of Sestra. Um, and she has one of the most incredible voices, but is one of the most underheard artists. And it wow. just breaks your heart because it's, um, mm -hmm. she's so, so talented. And we sat together. Uh, she recorded me while I was tracking, which, was, which freed me up from behind the desk, which was amazing. Um, and she also contributed to some of the um, refining process of the lyrics and the melodies in places as well. Wow. So it was nice to get a different perspective on that and actually work together with somebody. Question for James Monteith then, re-getting together and plugging into an amp would be what are the advantages and perhaps disadvantages of all being together in the studio for six weeks? I think the advantages um, are definitely creatively and from yeah a more more collective input um there are a few jam sessions which ideas were developed out of and jamming's not something that Tesseract's ever done traditionally mainly because you can't really jam the lots of these ideas because you've got to learn them first because they're quite complicated um so i think especially in like sort of the rhythmy sort of um areas um a lot of uh there was quite a lot of development in in a jam style which which is cool um but also uh i guess having like a much wider range of toys to play with um i think that was fun like i mean there was even fun bit where there's a big drum section um in one track where we sort of uh we got loads of us on like tom drums and snare drums like you know, always making like a like a real big build-up of you know percussion and and so i guess creatively it was it really opened up a lot of things i guess disadvantage was it was a much more expensive record to make than previous records um um, but also when it went into the mixing stages, um, Ackle in particular also, you know, he mixed it in his home studio. So he also was able to still do any tweaks and changes as he would have done the traditional way anyway. Big gap between albums. So Jay, being the drummer, of course, was raring to go. I am incredibly excited about this one. It's been too long since Sonder. Yeah. It's been five years. And we, I think we would have had material sooner had COVID not got in the way. Yeah. But what that time did afford us to do is really get to know the music to a point where we could take it to the level where we could go into a studio and and the the end result is 
just an incredible record. It, it's it's much longer. It's it's clocking in at around an hour. Right. Um, value like for few, money. Yeah, there you go. Value for money. Um, it's sonically just bigger than anything we've done before. We've worked okay. with the best people you can work with. The pe- people that we're really excited to work with. Um, we got together and 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 collaborated with this one, and it went to some really wonderful places when we got into the studio. The, the demos that we'd realized just became so much more than they were. And they were already sounding amazing. We could have released the demos as an album. You know, it could have I'm just sure, been a... I'm sure Coastcoat will at some point. <laughs> <in> the, uh, <laughs> the Your rare tracks in the future. Now, Ackle also confirmed that there were no creative tensions in the studio, and he had a theory as to why. It were too chill for that, or we were too... <laughs> busy drinking wine when it got to that point so uh, <laughs> this could be difficult let's just stop and have a wine and battle it tomorrow no, I was creating tension of, of yeah. this fight <laughs> Is it, no, too the, British um, for that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no I guess so yeah now of course War of uh, Being not only an album not only a video game but also of course a massive world tour which is uh, still ongoing at the time of uh, recording. So I asked all of the Tesseractians on tour, who's the rock and roll animal? And conversely, who's the quiet one? Amos gave his opinion first up. Well, I mean, yeah, James is has a nickname of metal. And <laughs> yeah, Jim Metal. Yeah, I mean, he, he he's a force of nature. Uh, the rest of us, it depends, you know, because sometimes it's myself and Ackle talking shit until six o'clock in the morning <laughs> with a whiskey. And we've done that yeah. on many occasions. But at the time, I mean, you know, Dan tends to go to bed fairly early just because he lo- likes to look after his voice, which is... Of course, yeah, um, yeah. Jay tends to fall asleep fairly early. So, yeah, I mean, we're, we're all typical bands. You know, we, we cover the whole gamut of... <laughs> the modern day rock and roll, you know, with old style rock and roll all the way through to meditation and yoga. So we've got it all covered. Good. Jay also picked out Jim Metal as the rocker of the band. <laughs> I say partying and rocking out. It's his way of networking. So oh, right. James, you know, he's got his PR company and pretty mm. much every single day he's meeting someone at a venue who that's a band or Ooh, someone in the industry nice, yeah. that's to do with that. So, nice. and t- when you do that, inevitably a beer or twelve are involved. Yeah. So that's that's okay. James. But also the, the the sort of music that the the area in which Tesseract work, you need a James Monteith. You do, I think. So who's who's there? Who's there meditating with their um, whale sounds on their iPod? Kind of the rest of us. Um, <laughs> like <laughs> I, I would have said back in the day, it would have been Moss. Um, but That's honestly, brilliant. now all That's of us brilliant. are just kind of you know. Ackle sleeps all day. He'll Ackle will oh, just right, stay okay. in his bunk and sleep until sound check, and then get out. And then it's kind of crazy. That must um, be quite healthy, though. You know, because there are such a, there is such a thing as um, as early birds and, and night owls. It's been proven. I read a book about it recently called mm. Why We Sleep. It, 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 oh um, yeah, I've read that. Where, yeah, great. Well, yeah, well then you know then tribes. You know that's how you protected the tribes. The tribe is only weak between one in the morning and four. In the in the evening. So who who's the who's the is always up? Who's always happy about it? Who's the moaner? 
That's I'm the, the moaner. It's the drummer, I'm it? yeah. literally the moaner. Oh, God, I can't lift anything else. It's the worst. I'm the moaner, though, because <laughs> I uh, I get so pissy if my sleep is messed up. Oh, but like, I mean, if you read that okay. book that you read, you know yeah. that getting bad Amazing sleep book. is yeah. terrible for you. Yeah. And on, te- on tour, you get pretty terrible sleep. On a yeah. bus, it's fine. But if you're... We've done this a lot where you, you play a show, you, you're doing a festival in Helsinki, yeah. and then, oh, by the way, guys, we've got to get to Italy, or we've got to get to, like, <laughs> South Germany overnight for, yeah. uh, we've got 3 p.m. stage time, so you, you're finishing at, like, 1 a.m., straight to an airport, and th- there's a bunch of that where there's just no rest, no time for rest in between. And finally, what kicked this world tour off was the band's first visit to Chile. Uh, which Dan first and James second were really effusive about. It definitely made us feel like celebrities. Uh, it was very, very nice. Like every every uh, airport that we landed in, there were a crowd of people with CDs and LPs wanting to be signed yeah. af- after the show was absolutely wow. crazy. Uh, people hanging around an hour and a half just to say hi. You know, it's just really... And also the, the crowd participation was next level as well. I've d- I don't think I've ever played a gig ever in my career where the audience sing all the way through from start to finish but they did it was amazing um it was amazing um i feel like it was a a tour that we didn't really realize we needed but we absolutely did um because since covid we haven't done any headline stuff at all and we've had some great support opportunities um but always with um you know, support shows um you know it's not your audience so you're working a lot harder to win people over whereas when you do headline shows it's 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 a lot easier in that sense because uh, you're playing to your already converted fan base and um so uh, they were our first headline shows since uh, since pre-covid and uh it was just really nice to have such a warm response you know people singing along um and having a great time and and yeah, it definitely um, it got a, it was a good morale boost uh, leading us into the upcoming album campaign. Brilliant. Right. That's your lot. Thanks very much to Jay, to Ackle, to James, to Moss and to Daniel uh, for their time uh, this year. You'll find the K-Scope podcast wherever you find your podcasts every month with interviews from the acts and uh, exclusive uh, music uh, from the label to listen to as well 165 episodes old now Uh, my name's billy reeves and i think we should play out shouldn't we with the single version of echoes hope to have your company again soon